Welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time, and sometimes the bottom 100 as well. I'm Darren. And I'm Andrew. And I'm Stacey Crowden. And this week we're doing an entry looking at the bottom 100, an entry on the bottom 100, which is Mariah Carey's Glitter. And the reason that we're doing that is because we, typically we ask some of our contributors what they'd like to talk about, what movies on either the top 250 or the bottom 100 they'd love to sort of dissect or examine or pick up. And we asked Stacey, um, who I think was last on talking about A Star Is Born, mm-hmm. uh, what she'd next like to cover. And, you know, some people go for, well, I'd love to cover The Godfather. Or I'd love to cover sort of, you know, um, you know, that sort of stuff. And Stacey was like, no, I, I think I have a very particular movie in mind. And that was Glitter. And wh- why was that, Stacey? I think it actually follows on quite nicely from A Star Is Born, right? This is essentially a worse version <laughs> of that story from A Star Is Born. You know, she's uh, an aspiring singer. Uh, gets discovered by this man who's already in the industry. They fall in love. You see their kind of rise and fall, uh, except it's such a mess. Um, so there's there's some interest in it. It, it. A nice kind of companion piece to A Star is Born, a film that was very successful that is, you know, I know there were differing opinions here, but, you know, it's, it's like a pretty good, competent, well-made, well-received movie compared to this, which is right. basically a bad version yeah. of A Star is Born. I, I think you described it as the evil twin of A Star is Born. Yeah, and that's I think... a good description, I think. Or is it a triplet? Or a quintuplet. A thematic trilogy. Of, of this and... And uh, what's it called? Gig? Oh, Giggly. 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 Giggly also came up in conversation as well, actually. And and this Mm -hmm. is kind of interesting because we were talking... We noticed this when we covered like the bottom 100 movies in particular. Mm -hmm. There are a certain type of profile... We talked about this on the podcast before. A certain type of profile of a movie that makes the top 250. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, very conventionally, stereotypically... Like movies for guys in their thirties, and that's an oversimplification. To be entirely clear, but it's worth noting that last week we covered Neon Genesis Evangelion, oh, sure. Evangelion, um, and that's sort of like market sort of cornering it there. It's for by <laughs> and of yeah of the two fifty, yeah. Um, and like later on in the summer, we're hoping to do a season ninety nine, which will include like The Matrix and Fight Club to oh, pick sure. examples as well. Um, but what's interesting is we notice an inverse trend as well, in that there's a certain kind of movie that tends to appear on the bottom one hundred. And it's worth noting, again, the movies on the bottom 100 that we've covered include movies like Fifty Shades of Grey um, and Spice World. And this... Spice World was a lot of fun. Spice World was great fun. So um, much fun. It yeah, really it was. not belong in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's kind of, it is interesting how that seems to break down, how that's sort of almost gendered to a certain extent, where you have movies for men, in inverted commas, that are sort of elevated and venerated in the top 250... And when you look at the list of the bottom 100, you have things like this, you have things like Crossroad, you have things like, yeah, uh, from Justin to Kelly and stuff like that, which are very much seen as more women-focused or women-centric films. It's a very interesting sort of dichotomy and divide that exists. Or certainly they're appealing to certain audiences. Yeah. And they would be more narrative-driven films, you know, they're appealing to a certain audience of maybe arguably teeny boppers or just fans of female female pop stars, excuse me. As opposed to even fans of boy bands, because you don't have things like, you know, the One Direction concert movie getting hugely downvoted or, you know, anything where there's... You know, Justin, Justin Timberlake's Bieber Runner Runner didn't manage to get on here, for example. Exactly, yeah. It's female pop stars in particular, that which I think is... Yeah. Very, very pointed as well. Mm. I think it's very interesting talking about um, this as well, talking about Glitter as well, because, I mean, I feel like 
Before we talk about glitter, we are probably going to have to talk about Mariah Carey. And we are probably going to have to talk about glitter in the context of Mariah Carey. Absolutely, yeah. Myself and Andrew went to the Lighthouse uh, Cinema, (laughs) hosted a screening of this to mark Mariah's triumphant return to Dublin. She hosted a concert here last week as we're recording. Um, and it was Mariah Carey delighted that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, this is a, this is a thing. Like Mariah Carey is actually really glad to see the rehabilitation of glitter to a certain extent, um, because what will be will 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 be in her mentions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean we'll get in her mentions. Well, she, she she mentioned uh, the lighthouse. She oh. thanked the lighthouse for organizing the screening, which was quite nice. But you remember, as we were sitting down to watch it, as the lights went down, what was shouted from the back of the room? Do you remember? Um, Stacey will probably guess this even though she wasn't there I can guess yeah. I think you can guess I don't know I, I feel like the, the general tone was something along the lines of uh, uh, Mariah we love you but I don't think that was what <laughs> that was, was exactly what yeah, it was yeah what, what, um, what was it I seem to have forgotten was, I didn't bring my notes because I, I, I figured I'm was, doing a lot of listening it um, was justice for glitter Justice for Glitter. Which was chanted, yeah. So It was chanted. There was there a chant? Did not pick up yeah. on that. Yeah, no, it was shouted from the back, a very enthusiastic fan, <laughs> and there a round of applause as well. Because this is the thing, where Glitter has undergone something of a minor uh, reappraisal in mm. recent years. Most notably, in November last year, the soundtrack album topped the iTunes charts, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. Like, for a movie that was released in 2001 and maybe didn't get the most love, in September, two th- specifically on September 11th, 2001. The, the soundtrack album was released, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's remarkable. Do we, do you want to talk a bit about the context for this, Stacey, actually? Do we, like, in terms of Mariah, where Mariah was in 2001, where Glitter was coming from, and, like, how it arrived in the shape that it did, and maybe where it got that reputation? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting to consider the context for Glitter coming out and being produced and where Mariah was kind of in her career, but also, I guess in her kind of personal life in that she has this very public mental breakdown around about the time that glitter is released and even as she's promoting the movie yeah. and i think some people had kind of speculated because she had more kind of very public um incidents of her displaying kind of very troubling behavior following the release and failure like box office and commercial failure of glitter people are kind of inclined to blame the movie, but it seems like that was kind of going on anyway, that she was kind of struggling a little bit kind of with her mental health. Just to give a sense of context of where sort of Mariah Carey was in the 90s, she released an album every year of the 90s except 1996, Mm -hmm. um, and every one of them charted as the number one album. She had 16 Mm -hmm. number one singles over the course of the decade, which is phenomenal. While she was doing that, she was recording and re-recording those songs. I think there's a, a soundtrack, The uh, she covered Brenda K. Starr's I Still Believe. The 1999 single had four different sets of vocals for four distinct versions of the song to give an impression of kind of where she was and where she was coming from. She was also going through a number of um, very public and very spectacular... I don't want to describe them as breakups because that's kind of trivial, but like personal uh, issues that were sort of playing out in the media... Uh, most obviously, she was in the process of transitioning, I think, from EMI Records to Virgin Records, mm-hmm. uh, where Virgin had bought out her contract. They paid $100 million for for it, for five albums. They also bought out her contract with EMI for $24 million. So that's $124 million for five Mariah Carey albums from EMI. The first one ended up being the Glitter soundtrack, at which point they apparently dumped her for $20 million. They paid her $20 million and settled the contract after that. But she was also going through a breakup with uh, her first husband, who was Tony Motola who I suspect we're going to end up talking about whether directly 
or indirectly over the course of this particular podcast. Mm -hmm. He had found her um, as a backup singer uh, in the late eighties. He, somebody had slipped him a mixtape of her on hearing the mixtape of her. He immediately journeyed back to the nightclub to find her uh, and then proceeded to like immediately buy her out from her manager at the time saying that he could make her famous. He was incredibly possessive. He was incredibly jealous. He was very controlling of her image and of her friends. At certain points, he would not allow her to wear particular clothes during photo shoots because he felt that they looked trashy or they degenerated her or they made her look sort of, you know, they sexualized her in a way that made him in particular uncomfortable. So while this was happening, she broke up with him. He was uh, the head of, yeah, he was the head of uh, EMI at the time. It was a Sony. Mm-hmm. Well, overall. Overall. Yeah. Sony, like yeah. EMI would have been a... A sort of subdivision. Yeah. And wow. so that was part of the, the, the move of mm, getting away from him. Um, and also at the same time as well, he was allegedly spreading rumors around, about, around the industry about her, in particular, say, a feud with Janet Jackson, I believe was one of those he was implicated in. And I think, and, and Stacey may correct me if I'm wrong here, there was something involving Jennifer Lopez as well around the time of Glitter, I think. There was some stuff involving Jennifer Lopez, who was crossing over at the time from being kind of a movie star into... She was trying to launch her pop career. That happens kind of around 2000, 2001. And there was a bit of bad blood around the fact that it was... uh, People have... Sorry. um, This sort of sense that Tommy Mottola had kind of stolen songs from Mariah Carey to give to Jennifer Lopez. Um, two, two, two albums on the track, I believe, as well. Two, sorry, two songs on the album from even the Glitter soundtrack yeah. itself. Yeah, it, was it Lover Boy as well? I think uh, there's a sample used in Lover Boy from Can- a cameo song. Yeah, yeah which um, was also used in a Jennifer Lopez song. And as a result of that, there was a bit of kind of rivalry set up. You know, it may have been sort of driven by publicity. It may have been the fans just doing what fandoms do and saying, well, my person's better than your person. But because they both used the same sample, there was a sense that Tommy Mottola had something to do with this. Um, And yeah, and uh, it was apparently a very turbulent marriage as well. And Mm -hmm. Mariah Carey described being locked in the suburbs as her time in Sing Sing, Mm -hmm. because that was the instruction she received, Sing Sing. Mm -hmm. Um, While this was happening, the publicity tour for Glitter turned into a nightmare. Um, An appearance on Carson Daly's uh, Total Request Live, performing Lover Boy, uh, which apparently turned into uh, something of a spectacle. You can view it on YouTube. Uh, Carson Daly himself, during the performance, announcing that Mariah Carey's nuts, which is maybe not the healthiest thing to have done. Mm. Maybe not the most tasteful way to have responded. It's a different time back then. Oh, well, yeah, well, it's we're going a different time back then. We're going to, I suspect we'll get to that. I mean, yeah. there's a really depressing quote uh, from, and I'll see if I have it here, but from, like, Britney Spears, of all people, who's talking about, like, and at the same time, Britney Spears was coming out and saying... First of all, I had a really long break before this promotion because it's a big thing. Mariah had a really long break too, but I think some people make their careers their lives. You need to separate your career and your life. This is not my life. This doesn't mean everything to me. You know, I love what I do and I'm so blessed, but being a celebrity is not my life. My family and God and my mom and my boyfriend, they are my life. Oh, and it's, yeah. That makes me so sad knowing what Where, her what own situation to... is and what happened to Britney Spears. Yeah. yeah. It, it's heartbreaking, tragic. And the thing is, while this happened, there was also a promotional stop. I don't remember where it was, but where she, her publicist had to yank the mic away from Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. uh, talking about uh, Howard Stern and talking about uh, Montolo mm-hmm. and stuff like that as well. And reports in people that have not been substantiated of... Had she been on Howard Stern? 
Uh, no, Howard Stern. Because that seems like a really bad Like based on based on this movie, it seems like somewhere that she would be very uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, no, but no. He, 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 mocked he, he mocked her. He was very fond of mocking her on the show, and she understandably took that to heart. At the same time, she was leaving messages, disconcerting messages, on her website as well um, to her fans directly, sort of espousing a very paranoid perspective. She was hospitalized due to exhaustion. Her publicist was talking about how she hadn't been sleeping. As a result of, not, not of anything in particular, but like the demands of being Mariah Carey in 2001. And this is the thing where we get into how, and I think as, as Stacey sort of alluded to it there, with this being a different time, mm-hmm. Carey has since come out and explained that she's bipolar. Mm-hmm. And she actually uh, has, uh, medic- that she's now taking medication and treatment for it. Um, and it's really horrifying, because again, to go back and do research for this, reading coverage and again like i act as if like 1999 or 2001 was a different time where we don't talk about celebrities in this way now but it's really disconcerting to hear about like mariah's gone nuts or mariah's lost her mind or mariah's kind of off the deep end and sort of just like looking at it and realizing no this is somebody who's like understandably under a great deal of stress personally and professionally but who also you know needs psychiatric assistance and who has like an actual illness that she needs to medicate and deal with. Mm. Can I go slightly off topic yeah. for a second? Have you guys seen Long Shot, that movie with Seth Rogen and Charlie's? Not Tana? yet. I've not. Okay, there's there's kind of a throwaway joke in it where they talk about going out to get drunk and they say I'm talking Britney Spears mid-2000s shaved head levels of we still are we still making fun of Britney Spears in the year of our Lord 2019 for having this very public like breakdown in the mid 2000s where she's yeah, clearly was... struggling with her mental health 2007 and... was 12 years ago yeah, and she got through that she got through it she yeah. made it through and you know there's there's been kind of reports that she's not doing so well at the moment which is quite sad which also made this joke leave a really bad taste in my mouth but yeah i was i was really taken back that that discourse still hasn't really gone away even though we are kind of better i think at talking about something like a public mental health breakdown as oh this person is troubled perhaps has a mental illness and needs help Rather than, ah, that person's nuts. What a crazy celebrity breakdown. Yeah, what a, what a crazy person. This what great person fodder is. for our tabloids. And just know. sort of churn through it exactly. Like yeah. the, the New York Post and stuff like mm. that as well. And yeah, it, it's absolutely sort of... Yeah, but I think that narrative was very much around Mariah when kind of Glitter came out. It's like, oh, Mariah Carey's nuts. Like you're yeah. saying Carson Daly saying, Mariah Carey's nuts. Literally while she's sitting there, sorry. Does, um, I wonder if it works differently with men as well. Like if if mm. if um if the response to kind of Charlie Sheen and Kanye West kind of mm. breakdown because um are um like Kanye's been very kind of upfront about kind of uh yeah and and kind of in saying you don't you you don't you don't get one and not the other. Like um I'm 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 a genius and I'm um. Uh, well, that's its own sort of barrel of uncomfortable ideas. The idea that genius, yeah, and yeah, no, absolutely. But I don't think I don't think people kind of make that same draw to, that same sort of um, assertion that they would with uh, Mariah Carey. Or yeah, Spears. yeah. I don't think I don't think they, they kind of get um, uh, let off as much. There's a, there's almost kind of like an affection for the. Um, uh, in inverted commas kind of mad or crazy kind of um, male yeah. yeah like ex- eccentricity rather than yeah. mental illness yeah. or narcissism yeah I mean, whereas, whereas like with with with, with charlie sheen and i guess with 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 kanye it's fairly kind of um uh, like evident 
Yeah. In... Yeah. That is not just kind of eccentricity. Well, I mean, this is the thing where the difference between how you talk about even, say, female directors as opposed to male directors, where the male director is di- the male director is demanding and the female director is difficult. The male director is an auteur and the female director is unmanageable and that sort of thing. We have, like, Lynn Ramsey and Pat- Patty Jenkins, for example, doing stuff and getting, like, exiled off the Hollywood list that, you know, sort of we venerate people like Werner Herzog for doing. That sort of thing, yeah? Yeah, like, like I, th- I, th- I think it, it's, it, it's possible... Like, there, there are a lot of um, difficult male directors that have very bad uh, uh, reputations, but that kind of like can keep going. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Woody Allen still has control right. of his film, to pick right. an example. Um, but yeah, it is, it is worth uh, just in terms of the, the Mariah Carey thing as Sorry, well. Sorry, I, I, I don't know whether it's fair or helpful to kind of to to gender it, but I, yeah. I just wonder if if yeah. um, if that is part of it. It definitely plays into the idea of Mariah Carey as a diva, you know, and that she's still being characterized as difficult, as being demanding. And I think her kind of mental illness kind of fed into that and that people were still perceiving her as difficult as opposed to someone who maybe had a treatable problem. Like, I, the idea of the diva is very yeah. gendered, I think. I mean, it's telling that Kanye West hasn't had to go away for 15 years. Mm. Um, it, yeah, it, it feels like this movie is a kind of a, a, a response to 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 some of those or an attempt at responding to some of those sorts of accusations mm. that, it, that I, I guess we're, we're we're not going to be talking too specifically but it feels like the movie is kind of um everybody thinks i'm a diva but actually this is this um, i'm cool i'm yeah right. yeah yeah, yeah. Here, like like i can see why people might think that but mm. but um, it's not the case at all no mm. this is her I, it feels like her trying to kind of like tell her um, story which is which is which is which is interesting um because I, I don't know um i don't know how many um i don't know like as it's a strange sort of a a a a, a project because it seem it seems i don't know if, if this had like an independent existence outside of um mariah carey uh, you might be able to tell me later on but it, it seem it seems like a very personal thing that that almost feel kind of um, um, awkward or embarrassed <laughs> about yeah, kind of sure. walking into. Um, <laughs> this is your personality on screen, right? Yeah, we've had a couple of those movies on that we've covered so far, where it's very much you are bearing your soul. I meant to see this. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it is worth noting that Carrie, for her part, has. Uh, Initially, she responded to the film's failure. And, and Stacey's right, by the way. The, um, the soundtrack album was released on the, the 11th of September, 2001. The September traditionally received as the Super Tuesday for album sales and releases. Do you um, remember where you were the, what, the, 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 the day Mariah Carey dropped her? Uh, um, can't wait to go home and listen to Glitter today. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, have you, have you seen the, the Wikipedia page? I, I tweeted this out and I'll include the show notes. The Wikipedia page for Glitter has possibly the most depressing image ever, which is the uh, publicity and the reception section includes a shot of a billboard for Glitter with the twin towers burning in the background oh, over it. Oh, no. Um, yeah, because it was due for release that week. The film itself wasn't actually released until the 21st. Interestingly enough, uh, other albums that released on the 11th of September obviously experienced big drops because that was not a big day for music purchases, uh, but they had lesser drops. So like Jay-Z well, and Nickelback. If they, if they had their advertisement for Glitter, like in a newspaper on September 11th, <laughs> yeah. Now, like, I think it's that and Michael Jackson dying 
had uh, like our, the our, circulation our days were like the best day to have an advertisement <laughs> for anything. Um, but that magic didn't. That glitter didn't. Um, um, didn't transfer. Didn't quite didn't rub, transfer, off. rub off. Rub <laughs> off. No. Um, but yeah, it, um, it. So the film was released on the twenty first of September, and obviously people were less welcome, less happy to see that as well. Zoolander also suffered the same fate as well, where Zoolander opened immediately after September the eleventh, and everyone was like, maybe not right now. Um, although Zoolander has since been rehabilitated as well. I love the fact that it's Terrence Malick's favorite film. That will never not Zoolander. make me smile. Zoolander yeah. of all things. Um, worth noting that after September eleventh, Mariah Carey. Uh, was one of the artists and will include some links Jezebel uh, has some absolutely wonderful links here in terms of looking at the context and the tours around Glitter as well mm. where Mariah Carey did this sort of patriotic performing in khakis and camouflage um, sort of tour um, and did the United We Stand gallery as well performing Lover Boy and stuff like that it's apparently something trying to give a sense of that moment in time well yeah I mean Mar- Mar- Mariah Carey is one of those American artists who's who probably at the time anyway was very in demand for like yeah. singing the national anthem and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, she's yeah. that sort of singer. Yes. Like, you don't, you don't do an understated um, American national uh, anthem. No, you don't do a subtle low key spoken word <laughs> William Shatner version. Um, but yeah. Um, so before we talk about glitter itself, it's probably worth acknowledging the reception to glitter as well. All music described the, the soundtrack album as a music the pop equivalent of chernobyl um which seems just a little bit overwrought if we're being entirely honest but uh, some of the the cosmopolitan which i'm include- not saying it's as bad as chernobyl but because chernobyl was uh, <laughs> a, a, a series like life and death and people uh, died people, you can't live there people anymore died, yeah but it but it but if it hadn't been any of those things if it was just pop music um but yeah, and they're, they're like they're the meanest things that critics said about glitter, and this is kind of fascinating as well because again, I think that you see this. This is very much similar to what we were talking about there with the bottom one hundred, where films that fit a particular niche tend to get a particularly heavy brand of criticism. Uh, but for example, the New York Times described it as an unintentionally hilarious compendium of time-tested cinematic cliches. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film file described as about as fresh as rancid Chinese food. Uh, a butt-numbing exercise in tedium, according to the TV Guide. Um, Jennifer Lopez has never made a film as bad as Glitter, the Austin Chronicle states, playing into that narrative that we talked about of the two Has not so far made a film <laughs> as bad as Glitter. Um, times have changed. <laughs> I can't figure out how the project was greenlit in the first place. Real views. Glitter, more like... Match flicks. Um... CNN is sorry. The, the soundtrack doesn't rescue the movie from tedious banality. The USA Today, uh, yeah. So it's yeah, that, and then they that go last on and, one is pretty good. That's the poll quote. Yeah, that, <laughs> of the set. Um, so it does poster. suggest that the soundtrack is good, yeah. but um, not good enough to rescue it from tedious banality. And, and Variety offered glitter deserves yet another title. A star is dull. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, could, um, could, yeah, it's like, is it okay if you change that to, it's almost, the soundtrack is almost good enough. Those ellipses. To rescue the movie. Um, but what's I about to say, so do we remember the first time we saw this, of, of the three of us? Cause, I do. Oh, right, but uh, Stacey. Stacey. Glitter? Yeah, when was the first time you saw Glitter? Uh, only quite recently, actually. Oh. Yeah, I rewatched it on Friday night, but I watched it a year or so ago. No probably longer ago 
But uh, I was just kind of curious about it. I think I was going through a Mariah Carey phase and I was like, how bad could this be, really? Uh, quite bad. <laughs> I remember just because, you know, it's one thing to go into it knowing, oh, it's on the bottom 100 on IMDb. It's very heavily maligned. This is going to be terrible. I was like, no, you know what? It's oh, Mariah God. Carey. I'm going to I'm going to trust her. I'm going to trust that this actually is better than a lot of people think it is. It's not really. Yeah. And revisiting it did not D- didn't boost it up. You didn't sort no. of have like a reassessment and like a although I did some merits. Yeah, it's like I knew what was coming this time. I knew the general <laughs> plot and I knew what to expect. So I maybe enjoyed some of its more insane moments because I was like, oh, this is when she's going to see that homeless woman who she thinks is her mother. <laughs> And just other things like that that just make the film particularly insane, but even not in a particularly interesting way, just odd. So I guess revisiting it that way was 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 interesting, but yeah, um, not good enough. It's not a good enough movie to be <laughs> saved by it. To justify that. I I do like that uh, Von D. Curtis Hall, who directed this, he's an actor, he did like, he's done like Chicago Hope and stuff like that. He's in Broken Arrow. Yeah. He plays uh, like a sergeant, a colonel. Yeah, he's one of those actors who's like every man. And he had like a really, he had a really promising career in the 90s when he did, he did Gridlocked. And everyone's all like the Tupac film. Everyone's all like, this guy's going places. He's going to do something. It's going to be amazing. And then Glitter happens. Who's this? Von D. Curtis Hall. Um, You'd know him if you saw him actually, so... But who? Um, I beg your pardon. I was, I was checking something on IMDb. <laughs> 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 I weren't paying attention. Yeah, to, to the director. That the director of Only oh, Curtis Hall. The director. Yes. He's also yes. known for his sort of starring roles in Chicago Hope. I listened to the commentary track on the Blu-ray. Oh it's my quite, god! It's quite something. Um, he never throws anybody under the bus, presumably because he wants to keep working. Mm. Uh, but I do love his observation that um, what drew him to Mariah Carey as an actor mm. was he saw a screen test that she did for John Singleton's Shaft. Okay. Now, it's worth noting Mariah Carey does not appear in John Singleton's no. Shaft. Um, so that did not work out no. for her. But she definitely did screen test for it. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting enough, she actually she was doing another one around this time, Wise Girls. Which I have not seen. Nor have I seen, no. and I kinda want to see it now, having seen the description. Because mm. it's a bunch of it's a bunch of mob widows as far as I'm aware, isn't it? Who find themselves managing their husband's business. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um it's herself and so Mina. Like widows. That's it, like widows, but <laughs> if widows were a nineties yeah, comedy. Yeah, when you said that I was like Widows, widows. I've yeah. heard of this. Just widows. Mariah <laughs> um, Carey was in Widows. <laughs> but um, from, based on what I saw at the trailer, there's a lot more Italian-American stereotypes in there. Oh, it no. is literally called Wise Girls. Um, but yeah, so Andrew, you had seen it before. I had. I think mm. I had seen this between like around uh, 2003 and 2005. So you saw it like when it was That's relatively like fresh. Yeah, when, yeah, <laughs> just average amount. Yeah. But like when it was relatively fresh. Yeah. So we're talking like end of secondary school before college time period, is it? Yeah, like it couldn't go to um, <laughs> the next stage in my life without... <laughs> without <laughs> it was a necessary first, step yeah, in yeah. It's like a rite of passage is, watching Mariah Carey's glitter. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So then, um, the, it's, it's the... the 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 advantage of having gay friends is is is, is, is that you get to I I um I I ironically watch um terrible movies exactly yeah, yeah. the the um and if if I agree with the third review 
<laughs> which is the uh, which is uh, that it, that is uh, what was it but numbingly tedious. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I, I don't want to TV guy. I, 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 I will say my uh, 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 kind of like uh, Stacy. My my second watch, which which was the most most recent one, the one for this podcast, was, um, did did rehabilitate it. In, okay. Uh, like I certainly well, we didn't with fall the crowd asleep. That was very friendly. <laughs> which is always the test with Andrew. Yeah. Like, yeah. Two thousand one, space Odyssey doesn't get past that threshold I, for Andrew. I probably. <laughs> The first time I was watching it, I probably had a few drinks, yeah. and uh, I woke up and was confused about what had happened. <laughs> and was saying, "Yeah, because I think I missed important uh, character development for Terence Howard." <laughs> I think I the like, editor missed important character development. Did you rewatch Illuminate? Finally, his arc makes sense. My friend, my friend, explained back the movie to me. <laughs> Which was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. You, you not just you didn't just make him watch it, he relived it. Um, no, it was. We, we saw this I saw it for the first time actually as part of that uh, part of that watch at the lighthouse. I'd never seen it before. Never really felt the urge. I still haven't seen uh, Giggly either, actually, I have to admit. Um, and I'm kinda yeah, curious about that as well. That's uh, beside it on the bottom one hundred. It is indeed. They're sort of yeah. nestled together. They're together, yeah. Giggly nice. ra- Jiggly ranks higher. Is that fair? As in, I like, haven't seen it, I don't oh, know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, but was about to say, so yeah, we saw it with a crowd and probably the best way to watch it because it was a very, very game crowd. It okay. was a justice for glitter crowd. This was mm-hmm. the crowd that helped get the album to we, number one at iTunes. We it's the reason that over bottles <laughs> like on our <laughs> yeah, way out. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like um, uh, uh, empty drinks <laughs> strewn all over the place. I, I think you're making it sound more depressing than it was. <laughs> no, no, this is a <laughs> walk a, of shame a, into um, the harsh daylight like after glitter. A celebration. Yeah. Of... Was it like a reactive crowd? Did you get you know oh, cheers oh, for reactive, things? Yeah. Were there particular lines there that they liked? There was a performance. There was a there was a performance. A song and dance at the song and dance. It was something to behold. No, oh, wow. it actually kind of livened up the. And I, listeners who've seen the movie will know the climax of the film. Well, we're going to talk about how much it resembles A Star Is Born in yeah, 2018, I suspect. But there's a performance at the end that is very um, 2018, um, sort of A Star Is Born. And we got a live rendition of that. It was something to behold. Oh and I'll God. treasure that forever in my mind. Um, and it was, it was a, probably a good way to see it. I watched mm. it a couple of times. I watched it once with the commentary afterwards. And mm. I watched it again yesterday to make sure that my notes were entirely up to date. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't missed any important Terrence Howard character <laughs> development, as that might be the case. Yeah, so it was, it was an experience. But I guess we're going to ask the three questions, right? So, Stacey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you think that Glitter belongs on the list of the worst 100 movies ever made? I don't. I'm not saying it's a good film. I think it's a very bad film. But I've probably seen worse films than this. I think, at its worst, it's derivative and a little bit boring. But I don't think it's really terribly truly bad although there are really terribly truly bad elements to it it's probably not the worst thing i've ever seen not the worst crime against cinema maybe the bottom 250 <laughs> but not Somewhere. the bottom 100, 100 and not number 18 it's not the 18th worst film ever made this That's is fine. the thing where the, again the scores on this are absolutely absurd this is like a 2.1 mm. on imdb which is crazy keeping in mind That's that you can't much. give lower than a one mm. 
Um, this is absolutely insane. Mm. I mean, but again, I was wow. looking at, yeah, we, we, we have a history of looking at these things in the podcast and seeing mm. things like, for example, Late Night, which is the Emma Thompson movie, Mindy Kaling mm. getting, Mindy Kaling getting uh, 5.4 out of 10, when Justice League gets 6.4 out of 10. Now, I, you know, taste is subjective. Everybody's entitled to their it opinion. Is. Like, we, but, we, we, we don't have to um, hypothesize that people liked Justice League. We, yeah, we know people. We know people who <laughs> do. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, and, and again, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's a lot. It takes, uh, there's a strange consistency to how low these movies tend to get voted. Can I tell you something I noticed when I was just looking at the bottom 100 in general, and I was looking at this film? Uh, Batman and Robin is also on the bottom 100, right? Very rightly so, but it has about 10 times as many votes as Glitter. Yeah. And it's further down the bottom 100. It is, it's at 60 as opposed yeah, to 18. Yeah, as opposed to 18. So just that to me was kind of wild that it has 10 times as many votes. It has oh. over 200,000 votes on IMDb. People feel very passionately about so it. So some people must really like it and be giving it 10s. <laughs> yeah. I know Darren. Uh, to Darren keep it from right down the bottom. Hmm? Yeah. Darren wouldn't really vote on the on, 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 mm. on IMDb. But I think if he was, he'd be upvoting... Um, Batman and Robin. To I want to just to downvote. I want to just just to downvote Batman Forever. I was right? about to say just to put this in context. <laughs> yeah. It's like my argument isn't that Batman and Robin's good. It's not good. The argument is that like there are way worse Batman movies, mm. like Batman Forever and like Justice League. Justice League. Justice League is yeah. one of the worst films I've ever seen, yes. and I have seen most of things. Mm-hmm. I've you know I've seen a lot more films than is necessary, mm-hmm. strictly speaking. <laughs> Um, so where, would you put glitter then on the bottom no. 100 okay it's dull it's boring it's lifeless it has moments of inspired uh weirdness that kind mm. of make it okay in certain places not consistently enough to be so bad it's good no. but also not so rare that it's so bad it's soul destroyingly bad it's yeah, like I agree. this is a thing where like there are days at say and again i love the Dublin Film Festival and every year like two or three of my top ten films of the year are films that I've seen the Dublin Film Festival mm. but there are days at the film festival where I would long for the sweet release of something like this because okay. it would be a godsend mm-hmm. um, so it is absolutely not one of the worst 100 movies ever made I would argue Andrew yourself um, yeah no I, I, I would disagree with it being being there I think there are things to like mm-hmm. about this movie it is terrible yeah um, but I think, I think some, yeah, I, 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 I believe that some credit should, um, should, 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 should be given to this movie. For example, I, I, I um, I think, um, Mariah Carey shows that, um, like, a a a um, she, she gives some hint of, 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 of being able to act. Probably like um, well, and, 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 and we see that later on. Yeah, yeah. We we she she she's had an all right career in terms of, um, and reunited with Terence Howard on Empire and mm-hmm. Max Beasley as well. Also popped up on Empire as well. Empire's become like a home, Was he on a home, yeah, a home away from home for glitter stars uh, and refugees. Um, but yeah, yeah, and uh, so yeah, no, I I'm 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 not sure I would put it down. Now it is it is it it is bad. And, yeah. um, and, I, and it's not so bad it's good I think is the problem no, not no. quite yeah. no I'll do the opposite of what 
um, <laughs> what I did with uh, A Star Is Born. Because A Star Is Born was good, but I did nothing but talk smack about it. <laughs> because there were things that I, that I didn't like really, about Really, Andrew? Yeah. Um, that was an amazing podcast. That. I thought yeah. I was going to be the yeah, negative one. I thought I was going to be the great. one who was... I was kind of hoping to be the negative one and Andrew would be the balanced one. Whereas this, this is, this is um, like blatantly a, bit, a, a bad movie. But I'll, going I'll to be go trying to, to say nice things about it, yeah. Um, and Stacey then, would this be on your own personal list of the worst 100 films you've ever seen? Definitely not. No, as I was saying before, I think I do agree with both of you. It's a bad movie. It's not quite so bad it's good, but it's not really, truly terrible. Like, I didn't feel just soulless and empty when it ended <laughs> you know it didn't zap my will to live in the way yeah. that a truly bad film does where i go i've just wasted my life for over an hour for nearly two hours watching yeah a bad yeah. film has that kind of effect where it can be 90 minutes long and feel like it's 900 minutes long this yeah. and i didn't feel like i'd gained nothing from watching it there yeah. were things i really liked about it i think a lot of the music is good actually yeah. well i mean it has been sort of reclaimed since like yeah, I mean, justice the... for glitter was about the soundtrack rather than the movie yeah. for example i thought a lot of the movie the music was meant to be bad <laughs> they, would, they would often be like like they would play it and it's like and it's like and, it's like, and, it's, and the producer would be like I think there's too much going on and coming coming like it down a bit it's like no 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 trust me this is good <laughs> oh dice we're gonna talk about dice a lot I imagine yeah. oh <laughs> <laughs> Another connection that exists between the uh, Star is Born and uh, Glitter, which is, you know, Star is Born is a vehicle for everybody's favourite 80s comic, Andrew Dice Clay. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the nominal hero in inverted commas of Glitter is, you know, a Julian Dice Black. I mean, you know. No, he's not, though. It's her. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, we're, we're... He's, a, he's very minor, really, in her story, even though it's about their relationship. He, he is. Mostly but about her. I think one of, well, we'll probably talk about this in the sports, but I think one of the issues is that the movie probably should be about her and is, has far too much dice in it for my taste. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that to answer my own question, uh, no, I don't think it's one of the worst 100 films I've ever seen. Andrew? Um, it, like, it might be... Because I, 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 as as in I don't, it wouldn't be on my bottom one hundred, but but not because um, not because I think it's uh, too good to be on the bottom one hundred. <laughs> it's it's it it. I I want the bottom one hundred, my bottom one hundred, <laughs> to be movies that are so bad they're good and aspirational. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. And um, what's the point not of this to you be, don't enjoy? Yeah, and while 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 there were kind of some sort of uh laugh out loud or kind of memorably bad kind of um uh uh parts about this movie it's it's also kind of um um just kind of annoying (laughs) Um, (laughs) in 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 a lot of ways so i don't know if i'd put it on 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 my bottom 100 it might have been um out of all the movies i've seen it might have it might be one of the 100 worst i've ever seen but uh, like i probably haven't seen that many movies and stacy would you recommend if listeners are having made this this far into the podcast having not seen glitter should they run out and watch it or should they just listen to the soundtrack album i mean i would definitely say try and listen to the soundtrack album if you're at all curious if you like mariah carey and want to hear her doing some sort of 80s adjacent stuff 
because it is a very particular kind of music, which is slightly different to what Mariah was making at that point in her career. Uh, so it represents something of a departure for her. Um, I don't know that I'd recommend people to watch it. It is very boring in parts. And apart from the actual musical sequences, which you can kind of look up on YouTube or listen to the soundtrack album, I don't know that there's a whole lot here unless you're a Mariah Carey completist. Or if you're like Andrew and thought A Star Is Born was a bad movie and wanted to see what A Star Is Born would look like if, if it, it were was actually a bad, bad movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, if it, if it lent in to some of the really bad um, <laughs> decisions. And, yeah, yeah. Um, it's worth noting actually that one of the and I don't know how true this is, um, so I'm reporting this with a giant asterisk. I haven't found anything to correspond or back it up, but around the time it was released, there were rumors circulating. Um, that the film's 1983 setting was something that was added in post-production because Mariah Carey had decided that she wanted the soundtrack album to have an 80s tinge to it. Um, Which is why most of the fashion isn't particularly 80s. Why, for example, people are using cell phones that are much more 90s than 80s. And why, for example, Julian Dice Black was Spin Magazine's DJ of the Year two full years before Spin Magazine actually launched. Um, Now, I don't know how true this is. I don't think it is true. I think it's just carelessness. But I kind of like the idea that Mariah Carey was like, I'm doing an 80s-themed album. And they're like, fine, okay, we'll put some... uh, yeah, yeah, we'll put some 80s theme I music think, in there. I think, yeah, I think that story is entirely nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't kind of like at the last minute decide, oh yeah, you know all the movie, uh, all the movie we've made and all those songs we recorded? Did you get that that were that those were sort of 80s themed? Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought about it and meant to say earlier. <laughs> should have brought this up in an early can meeting. Can this be an 80s? I figured you would just get that. Yeah, I, I, we should have brought it up yeah. during one of those champagne lunches that they have at record companies in boardrooms where the manager can't be bothered to show up. Or they're, um. or they're mocking up the magazine cover and they make him DJ of the year 2001 and they go, no, but do you know this is set in 1983? Has that not been clear this entire time? Well, it will say on the magazine. It does um, say on the Billboard magazine that it was 1983, July 1983. Yeah. When, Frankie, when Billy Frank made her way to the top. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did it, did yeah. <laughs> but it's like, of... hey guys, um, we need some more eighties um, <laughs> references. Uh, yeah, phones. And it's like, you know what? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, Von Dieter de Saul is just yeah. like, I want, yeah, I want to go back to Chicago. Hope. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, all right. So I think that's sort of like in terms of we're going to talk about the film a bit more depth. Who gives mm-hmm. a glitch? <laughs> I do like the fact that there are glitter truthers out there who are committed to this idea mm. sort of believe that there's an edit of this that's set in 2001 <laughs> but anyway so let's move on and move into the spoiler zone So, Stacey, mm-hmm. what is Glitter about for you? For me, it's about an aspiring singer who gets discovered by a man in the music industry, and it's about their relationship and the rise and fall of each person as uh, as the film develops. But then there's also a weird sort of gangster element to it, with, with Terrence Howard being super shady and... 
yeah, I've, I've gone completely off a simple synopsis now. Like, it's the, it's the first thing I said. But also Terrence Howard is there and he's menacing for some reason. Terrence Howard is probably... And like, and Terrence Howard, terrible human being. Um, obviously, to get that entirely clear mm. and out of the way first. But the thing with Terrence Howard is that at least he has screen presence. Is he a terrible human being? I didn't know he's this. A I didn't realize he was... Oh, okay. Yeah, um, he's also pretty arrogant. He's pretty. Yeah, well, I mean, like he's, he's talked about how. Um, so glad, well, no, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm not glad he's a terrible person, but at, at least, kind of, um, I don't have to feel bad about um, him getting cut from Iron Man. Not anymore. having Marvel yeah, money yeah, like or never having liked him. <laughs> I, I feel vindicated. Uh, well, I mean, like, yeah, if you want to get a sense of of Terrence Howard as a human being outside of the domestic abuse charges, interviewed about Glitter, he famously commented that he turned down both Beyond. And Padma Lakshima, uh, sorry, Lakshmi, Lakshmi, Lakshmi. Um, and uh, his response was, "She may deny it all she wants, but I know when a woman's ovulating." And you're like, "Well, Ooh. thank you, Terence, for that glimpse inside it's your amazing, head." Amazing, Terence. It's, a, it's a, <laughs> That's for, his new superhero that he's developing after getting <laughs> dropped from Iron Man. <laughs> I'll develop my own. Thank you very much. Ooh. But yeah, there we go. There's Terence Howard being Terence Howard. For some reason, though. I can't imagine why. He's a surprisingly convincing creepy dude on screen. Um, and in particular here, like there's a moment in this and it's probably one of my favorite moments of the film. It's where Dice is recording uh, with Billy and he steps out into the hallway of the recording studio. And Terrence Howard is just standing there <laughs> oh, yes. with a gigantic airport paperback. Now he explains later on that he's recording with his artist, with Want to see what all that money you gave me, Bobby? Um, but like, yeah, it just, you, see, you see, pretty good, right? And it's like, this is, this is just what you <laughs> were doing, doing before. before. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, yeah. I figured I would need at least that much money to replace what I had already. <laughs> um, it's way more of a long-term When I said you want to see what this money buys me. Uh, um, it was a sensible investment. I'm not spending outside my means. Yeah, I'm not showing off. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was offering, I thought you might want to know. Um, the thing about Terrence Howard, but that moment really, like, that moment I loved. Not before he gets the, he's recording there, because it looks like he's literally just been hanging outside the studio where they've been recording, having brought a big paperback book with him, because he doesn't know how long the session's going to last. I love the idea of Terrence Howard, Stephen King fan. Uh, I don't know why we're calling him Terrence Howard, but let's go his with that. Name, do, you know, do you remember his name in the movie? I do not. Timothy. <laughs> what kind of gangster music producer is called Timothy? I like, think it's such a funny name for him. I think he's representing the kind of line, uh, the tradition of, um, of, of kind of mu- mu- music producers who are also, um, who are, are, are people involved in the music industry who will also be like, you know what? I'll just get a gun and like, sh- um, sh- um, and try and like you know fire it at people and see 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 if that solves things. People are not going to mess with me now. Um, yeah, like I keep referring to him as like a shady gangster, even though he's ostensibly in the movie a music producer, because the film decides it needs conflict. That the relationship between Billy and Dice is not interesting enough. They're like, we're going to make him evil. Yeah, we're going to ask, make him threatening. Like he's the kind of show. Nice. Um, dangling vanilla yeah. ice out the window to negotiate his contract. But can, it, I, can I ask though, right? It's I mean, like he wants to be shown nice. <laughs> He aspires towards it. That's yeah. what he's reading. That's what the big paperback book is. Um, but yeah, this is the thing. Part of me is wondering. Now, I know he's played by Terrence Howard and I know he murders Dice at the end of the film. But part of me is wondering, like, 
is Timothy really that bad a dude? All he did was make a deal for $100,000 and Dice spends the entire movie refusing to pay Not him the money that he oh, owes. Yeah. And, and, and Dice, Dice <laughs> is like, I really believe in you. You're going to be huge. And then he's like, um, um, he's like, it's going to cost you $150,000. <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> I did, I did, I did, that's way too much. And then later on when everything's going well, like on account of this deal he's like that deal was garbage <laughs> in the sense that I should have given you less yeah. like half or a tenth of it like, I, should, I should have paid you less than I would for a car not a good one yeah. yeah but I mean there's even the moment where he's with uh, where he's with Timothy and Timothy's showing him off this cool studio that he always had that he's using to buy with money that he doesn't have mm. and he's like uh, so when are you going to get my money and he's like you got food in your fridge right and it's like yeah yeah well when you don't come look me up and it's like I, I that's not how deals work dice <laughs> like you don't you don't need to be starving to call in the money that, that you promised not included in the original verbal <laughs> yeah. contract yeah. Um, like, you owe well, that independently of how well he's doing yeah. otherwise from those according to <laughs> their ability and uh, from from those according to their debt yeah. to those according <laughs> to, to their, their needs yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Tyson's philosophy yeah, yeah. Um, I did write down while I was watching this for the podcast is Terrence Howard the bad guy question mark exclamation mark um, because yeah I was like they, they take that turn almost quite suddenly yeah like they just set it up initially as like oh he's a rival producer but then they as I said they obviously need more conflict in yeah. the film I read somewhere that this film was originally two and a half hours long I can believe how it how long was it it's 90 odd minutes. I was about to say it's an hour really? 40 minutes ish. Yeah. It's sort of standard running time, but what? it makes it a lot of it sense. Did it feel to longer me. or shorter than that? I thought it was longer. Well, uh, like okay. considering I fell asleep watching it. <laughs> uh, the first time, not yeah. the second time. Yeah. It's, uh, it makes sense to me that in that two and a half hours, we get a lot more information or things are better developed or explained and then. You know, it's under four it minutes. You're right. It's it's an hour and forty four minutes. Yeah. It's also it also doesn't make any sense. None of it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes any sense. It doesn't make any sense that the movie was longer because then we find out that uh, <laughs> this is like the the presumably this was the best kind of <laughs> yeah. hour forty minutes. minutes I think. Yeah. I mean, is it like worth noting one of the things like. The two questions I wrote immediately on the watching hour this that they remove wasn't as good as this. The, 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 the gold, <laughs> the pure gold that we have here. Two questions that I immediately wrote down on the start of the movie. First one is, why is this movie so focused on dice? And I suspect mm. we're going to come back to that one. But the second one was, what is with all the cuts? Like, oh yeah, there's the weird like all this editing of like just in case you didn't know it was set in New York, but there's cranking, there's zooming, mm. there's spinning, there's this weird thing. There's the moment where again. One of those things that I can't believe is in the movie, even when I talk about it being in the movie, where there's a rap battle. Remember oh, the rap battle? No, it's yeah. so awful. Was it a rap battle or was it a a, a freestyle a, a kind of a? Um, He's uh, trying to get the crowd going, yeah. Yeah. I guess, by having people perform. I'm, it's all it's such a pretense as well i'd be really upset if i was one of the, <laughs> here's a plant there and it's like i'll go through there's some random people to to do their their their, their, their kind of bit yeah. and then i'll go to you 
and he will knock it out of the park. Mm. And is it, uh, they, they, yeah, they were, they, um, they, they had to freestyle. Yeah, the freestyle yeah. rapper being like, I've, wor- I've been working at this club for five years, Dice. <laughs> like, if I, if I was asked, well, like, off the top of my head to rap, I, I'd probably say, um, I, like, I, I think, I think most people maybe in this day and age will be like, oh, I'll just do really bad 80s rap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or 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 like uh, Darren would 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 be like, well, my name is Darren. I'm here to say, Will Smith rap, wholesome Will Smith rap. It go on and on, on and on. It's <laughs> a break of dawn. Yeah. Respect your parents. Yeah. Listen to their advice. They we want what's best for you. They're really nice. Anyway, also yeah. Dice kind of uh, the way he speaks in that scene made me very uncomfortable. In that, I wrote down black voice question mark <laughs> like blackface, but he's appropriating a certain style of speech, and even his voice changes when he's yeah. doing that in a way that made me very uncomfortable. Max Beasley's British as well, yeah, which kind of like makes his New York thing very um. <laughs> <laughs> His accent is actually all over the place as well in the movie. Yeah. Did you guys notice that? Over the bird. of fun. <laughs> it is fun. Occasionally he says something in a kind of a fun way. Um, but oh, I mean, mm. just to get back to the rap battle scene, because that's yeah. one of the ones I think about with the crazy editing. Yeah. There's the moment yeah. where, and I think you guys probably know which one it is. It's after he's done the plants and he sort of like zooms in on Billy in the crowd. Yeah. And it's shot in slow motion with the background in soft focus. And, it's, yeah, and you it's can blurred. T- it's blurred. And you can tell that what the movie wants you to think is, Wow. He's really seeing her, seeing her in like a you know romantic sort of way, looking into her soul. What the movie's editing and slow motion shot actually seems to suggest is like, well, the serial killer has spotted his victim and is moving in for the kill. I hope she gets out of the way because he's diving at her with the mic. Yeah. It's and horrible. It's really... Yeah, it's it's almost kind of nausea-inducing. And I, I know I'm just reading from my notes, but I wrote down some truly insane choices. But then, kind of thinking about it, I was like, what does what is the intended effect of this? What does this remind me of? A little bit of Moulin Rouge, except they're not doing it properly. So in Moulin Rouge, there's a similar thing of, you know, these, like, very fast-paced kind of sweeping crane shots through crowds, like... Random slow-mo, speeding things up, slowing things down. Uh, like some very kind of hyperactive zooms. And the effect of that in Moulin Rouge, because Baz Luhrmann more or less knows what he's doing, is of a sort of heightened reality. It's like, this is what it's like to be in a club and you're kind of drunk and you're having a great time. But in this movie, it doesn't work at all. And you're like, I, as you say, it's like he's a serial he's, killer. He spotted it's, her. Yeah. It's like, it, the focus needs to be on this. So yeah. we're blurring everything else out and we're moving the camera way too fast and it's, yeah. it's no, I horrible and disorienting. Sitting in my, because the first time I yeah. saw this was on a cinema screen. Mm. And I remember sitting in my chair frozen and it's like, he's staring through the screen and he's spotted me <laughs> and I can't no. escape. Yeah. I am trapped yeah. by oh. dice. It's those wipes. As well, yes. <laughs> like the, the, the one with the, her as a child fading into so bright. Adult. <laughs> in, the, in the in the oh, where the house burns down. Yes. Yeah. Oh my and god. And um and but then, like, then later on they have like all the, like they have the glitter wipes as well. The yeah. Glitter wipes too. Yeah. <laughs> Just to keep it going as well. But they're not even consistent throughout the film. Yeah. There's like one or two of them. <laughs> But like we've, we've abandoned this halfway through. But then remember it at the climax as well, because I think there's a similar moment. Dice's mm. death 
is a mm. similar moment with Terence Howard. Mm. And I like it's one of those great absurd shots. He shows up, he has his hand out as if to say, Give me my money. Mm. Dice walks over as if to, Dice has like a smile on his face, Why like does a Dice smirk? walk over yeah. to him. Make I his think choices <laughs> Dice is going over to him to 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 give him to give him a bit of a box like to to, to <laughs> well it to, is aggressive yeah, yeah. to again be some okay um, he's like I'm gonna show this guy <laughs> and Terrence Howard's like ah oh, wait <laughs> you think I've learned something but I've learned nothing <laughs> I have learned something <laughs> and and he never like meanwhile Mariah is waiting for him to show up he doesn't even call yeah. <laughs> he's like, I've been shot through the heart and it's like, you're late. <laughs> you give love a bad name. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and he doesn't even give a dog a steak. No. <laughs> Just if he's going to go out that way. Is it worth talking very briefly about Dice? Because yes. <laughs> there's, like, there's so much about Dice, but the biggest thing for me watching it is... Does it feel like... maybe Maybe this is just me, but it feels like in the edit, somebody decided that what had started out as a Mariah Carey movie was going to end up more as a Dice movie. Because like, I... if you look at Mariah Carey's arc over the film, she mm-hmm. wants to reunite with her mother, yeah. but that's uh, that comes and goes. Like, There's the bit at the start, you have the, mon- the bit with her, with her mother at the start, then you have her getting famous, wanting to play Madison Square Garden, you have her relationship with Dice, you have her talking about her mother and like seeing the drunk woman who may be her mother but isn't her mother, and then you get You're that... Dice like, saying, your mother. that that slow motion shot where mariah carries like song plays over and as she's looking longingly at least that drunken homeless person may not be my mother um and then obviously at the end dice's big gestures reunite her with her mother but it doesn't have like the consistent through line because throughout you have like does she love dice is she gonna push her friends away to be with dice is she gonna collaborate with people other than dice does she want to play madison square garden does she have faith in her ability as a singer songwriter and you've got all these things going on that sort of like obscure that whereas dice on the other hand perhaps because dice is so single-minded and simplistic and one-dimensional a character the film at least has like a constant weird focus through line on Dice being a possessive piece of crap. Mm. Um, right. And it almost the, feels like the edit instruction was, whatever you do in the edit, make sure you don't lose Dice. <laughs> He's our hook here. Yeah. And also that the conflict comes from him owing Timothy this money, right? right. That they've made this agreement that he's not honouring. Yeah. Um, as I said, it feels like they needed to insert a conflict and rather than make it kind of specific to Billy, to Mariah Carey's character, they decide to give Dice more to do, <laughs> yeah. which is the wrong decision entirely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do love, by the way, that Dice's insistence on wearing a necklace with his own name on it. He wears it in bed. <laughs> when it cuts to them after the sex scene, he's still wearing the Dice necklace. In case, in uh, case his partner forgets his name, it's always handy. It's, I also love so that when he assaults Terence Howard's character, Timothy, he's also wearing it. Mm. So that when the cops arrest him, they're like, well, we didn't get a clear match on the assailant, but uh, he was wearing a giant necklace that said Dice. It's important <laughs> to remember who you are. Yeah. And to make sure that other people yeah. remember who you are as well. If, if he, I feel like that's something that I might do at some point. Get a, a tattoo of my name. <laughs> Your name. Sort of like memento style. Just myself, yeah. be true. Yeah. So yeah. when you stand and look in a mirror, it's like, oh, oh yeah. Just in case they get confused. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I also say like dice as a nickname? I don't really understand where that comes from. Like, and it's a while before we find out his real name, I think. Yeah, it's Julian Black. Julian Black, but like dice as a nickname. It's like, why do people call him dice? Where does dice I, come from? Not clear to me at all. I think 
having watched the movie recently that mm. it's because he's been so lucky. And don't, isn't there something about like dice rolling snake eyes at one point when he's like unlucky? Mm. Keep in mind it's an entirely informed attribute but given that dice that doesn't because of his, his name. Nickname or <laughs> the, yeah, but yeah could be the other dice way is coming up lucky seven, I think, at one point early in the film as well. Yeah. Mm. But again, his luck is very much an informed attribute as far as the plot is concerned. Oh, you yeah. also get that weird, unnecessary scene of him, like, what's that called, where you're jamming? Where he's jamming with people and he's showing people how to drum. And it's like, why is this in a Mariah Carey movie? Yeah, why am I watching so Dice demonstrate? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like... Um, also, was, I, I know you're a fly DJ. <laughs> it, it, it felt like Mariah Carey wants um like i don't know how you uh, one of you will probably be able to tell me how involved she was creatively in this but this felt like a, a sort of a um a love um uh letter or a kind of a um some sort of an homage to um to to her terrible um uh, boyfriend. boyfriend yeah, yeah. It is. That, it, that 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 it was meant to be kind of um that she wanted this to be very kind of like affectionate and it's it's strange because it, cause it strange. shows kind of how um how terrible he is but um it's kind of like but he believed in me sure he never put his money where his mouth was <laughs> put his mouth open and out came like re- reassuring kind of words um well, i mean it, it is worth noting that like Kerry has a strangely passive-aggressive, or had at the time in the late 90s, a strangely passive-aggressive relationship with Motola, where they were both publicly like, well, we're best friends, we're both doing our best work, I really wish the other person the best of luck. Mm. But it's worth noting that, like, Kerry's first single after breaking up uh, was, according to the Rolling Stone profile of her, the mildly horny and pleasantly funky honey. The video which includes a pro- Was that the name of the song? <laughs> <laughs> the video for which included a prologue showing Mariah being held captive and interrogated by a sharply dressed mobster. This was seen as a not so tacit acknowledgement of those rumors that Matola was possessive and controlling to the point of basically keeping his wife prisoner mm-hmm. in their secure and secluded Bedford, New York estate. Maria Carey denies the parallels were intentional. Although she's a loving, charming, down-to-earth person on this particular point, I don't believe her. She does wonder, and this is some, I believe the kids call this shade, she does wonder why nobody has commented on the first shot of her in the butterfly video, which shows her lying on a daybed, a daybed in a pose that echoes a famous still of Carol Baker lying in a crib from the movie Baby Doll. In case you're not recalling... Baby Doll is based on a Tennessee Williams story that turns on the boredom and exploitability of a young woman married to a much older man. This reference was intentional, according to Mariah, <laughs> although she does not specify the intention. It's like, yeah, well, she's... Bonk. <laughs> I'm surprised people haven't picked up on and then goes to great length to explain why something is significant. That wasn't a reference to my abusive husband. How dare you not pick up on the other reference I made to my abusive husband? What? Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, again, Kerry comes across, again, and I don't know whether this is just hindsight or whatever, but when you're reading this, hmm. Kerry comes across very, very well and very sophisticated, very much in control of her own brand in a way we'd associate with Beyonce. Worth noting as well, actually, if you want to talk about Dice as Motolo, um, do you know, first of all, Motolo was married uh, when he met her. Yes. He convinced yeah. her to dump her boyfriend um, and to marry him, although he was 20 years older than her. Mm. Um, do you know, she's. Kerry st- was married? 
Uh, Kerry was dating Kerry was somebody, dating somebody and, and he, he was married. married. Yeah. And he said, why don't you dump <laughs> your, 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 your age-appropriate boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. And, and and get with me in, in, in instead, rather than let... I'm married, you have a boyfriend. What... what, what, what like, at, at the point where he was saying you should leave your boyfriend, was he also kind of like, oh, I've left my wife? No. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, apparently he kept it a secret. Uh, he didn't from Jonathan yeah. Saffron forward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's not cool for you to have a boyfriend. He... <laughs> <laughs> says married. Man. Uh, man. It's worth noting, by the way, again, his autobiography is, is something to read based on excerpts that I've read. And they're like, very much along the lines of, this was wrong. I knew this was wrong. But I did it anyway. And I have no regrets. And you're like, ugh. Um, but it's worth noting that on their first date, do you know what he gave her? And you can probably guess from the film. Oh, no. I, was it just a single red rose? It was a single red no. rose that she still had. Oh, yeah. No, what? Because that's what they do in the movie. movie. Yeah. Is this a date? <laughs> Yes, the date scene is insane because also he picks her up in a limo and brings her a single red rose. Uh, it's only when they she, sit down to dinner. Only yeah. then she's like, is this a, what, do, what do you mean by giving me a rose and bringing me here in a limo? Is this a date? It's like, obviously, yes. I feel like the, when, when they set up shooting for that scene, it was like, and then we're going to bring these uh, snails. The snails. To it. And it's like, sorry, I don't want to be anywhere near the snails. Okay, we'll just bring a plate that doesn't have any snails. <laughs> but whatever you do, don't shoot the plate. Don't, don't make the plate visible. Don't show the plate. Don't show the plate. Don't show the plate. It's salad. Excuse me, I don't eat snails. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, we, we. You don't have to <laughs> just get that away from me <laughs> now yeah, yeah you're fired <laughs> yeah and it's like we better well uh, time is money we gotta rewrite the name relax just, just. well they have to keep her hilarious joke that you know makes them laugh she's like people go all the way to france for this and he's like ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and um, they have chemistry as a result of this <laughs> like clinically proven like if it was something other than snails we wouldn't get that hilarious joke and then you know they go back to his apartment and she sees the picture of him as a child and she's like, you were cute. What happened? And he's like, you're so funny. <laughs> that like, is brilliant. He has to keep like <laughs> laughing and like talking about how funny she is. It's like things that aren't really funny. He should funny. have said that before she made the joke because then we would have known that she was funny. <laughs> much, much like we know that Dice may be a fly DJ. Thank yeah. you very much. Despite the fact all we, we see him doing is yeah. Yeah. holding some headphones next to his ear. Um, yeah. The whole thing is horribly messed up. And again, he's he's abusive like Matolo was. Yes. Um, and he's like physically in her space and stuff like that. But the film does sort of try to frame, which is kind of problematic, try to frame that possessiveness as a good thing. Like, you know, the scene with the music video yes, and with the, the really f- awful music. Yeah. With the French music, music video director whose dialogue <laughs> consists of, she... the glitter cannot overpower the artists. We ask ourselves, is she, I don't know why I'm doing the accent. <laughs> oh, is she right. white? Is she black? We don't know. Oh. She's exotic. <laughs> I want to see more of her breasts. Um, the so, worst. Yeah. Um, but it's weird how the movie sort of positions Motolo as like a second wave feminist in all this, where he's like, hey, 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 hey. Well, it's Dice, come on. Yeah, sorry, Dice. <laughs> Apologies, sorry. Apologies to Mr. Motolo. It does position Dice as sort of like this uh, standing up for, like the bit where she That's has what a... what I mean. Yeah. yeah, they frame his actions as like a good thing. It's yeah. like, hey, you're being inappropriate. Don't 
treat her like that. But he's well, just as bad in a way. A, Only I get to objectify her. Thank you very much. Like I'm not going to say I'm not going to say that the movie has a w- weird kind of a um, view of sexuality because I feel like that maybe comes from. Um, I wonder if it, if it comes from Mariah Carey and saying like I want to make it clear that kind of like I have a problem with 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 with, with being sexualized because it, it, it's a very uh, it's very un um, uh, sexy movie and there's nothing mm. kind of um, like it, it, but I mean this is a movie where after sex Dice is still wearing a necklace that says Dice yeah like like like, like, like uh, to. Throughout the movie, obviously, kind of Mar- Mariah Carey um, looks incredible, but they never make they, there's never really an attempt to sexualize her, and the movie is always kind of pushing back on that. And any any mm. kind of like attempts that people in the movie make to sexualize her, she's just like, "Excuse me, sex is wrong." <laughs> <laughs> kind of, um, yeah. It's it's it it I like. It does seem it does seem very kind of uh, puritanical, but I suppose they're they're um, and kind of judgmental about sex. But I don't then want to be judgmental about being judgmental. About exactly. Sex. Yeah, yeah. People this are allowed to be kind of prudish. It's this, fine. This is the thing where I'm not sure what I think about this, so I'm just going to throw this idea out right. there. It's from Nathan Rabin, who's um, film critic at the AV Club and the Zolve and stuff like that. He's Probably the worst film critic that a dumb person could read, because um, he's famously <laughs> responsible for Manic Pixie Dream Girl, the, oh, sure. the phrase, uh, which he himself has disowned after its misuse and after sort of the way in which it becomes thrown about and stuff mm. like that. He has that internet era sort of tendency, and I, I think he's a very good writer, I think he's very clever, very insightful, but he has this tendency for buzzwords that tend to get thrown around. Um, he's described glitter as arriving at the point of, and I'm not a big fan of this, but what he describes as the hoification uh, of Mariah Carey, this points what he's recognized himself as a point in the career of singers and songwriters, and he singles out Jewel, Janet Jackson, Lindsay Lohan, and Nelly Furtado as examples. Mm-hmm. And you'd also later on you'd have Christina Aguilera, for example, with mm-hmm. Dirty, and even Britney Spears later on as well, uh, where you have this idea of female singers and songwriters who had been presented as these kind of prudish ideals. And Carrie did a whole host of interviews in the 90s. Again, this really weird, like, uncomfortable, like, fixation on, like, the sex lives of, of female stars. Like, so, for example, Britney Spears' virginity. Do you like, sure, remember yeah, that, being a, deal. that mm. being a huge deal in around 99, 2000? Where it's like, did she have sex with anybody before Justin Timberlake? It's mm. like, why does that matter? Yeah. Um, but, like, things like Mariah Carey, Saying that, like the first person she had sex with was Tony Motolo, right? Um, and which, yeah, it feels like that's when she says to Dice, I, d- I movie, don't do this very, I often. don't do yeah. this very often. That perhaps she's saying, like, I haven't done this before. Yeah, with it, it, um, it doesn't he respond kind of in a is like, like, yes, I can tell or something. Yeah, it's and it shoots creepy. to her kind of reaction to that, which is. Which is like like deeply upset because it's meant to be kind of like a vulnerable hey, tender. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's she she it, it's meant to be like him making a joke, like like it's it uh, as a joke it's kind of structured okay, mm. but, 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 <laughs> but in context she shoots to her and she's just really upset and yeah. she's like, hey baby, I'm kidding. And, um, <laughs> kind of like, Forget about it. it. it does sound like, like, yeah. Yeah. 
like, ooh. Um, but yeah, like, uh, so for example, Rabin talks about like, Honey would have been the first single she released after a divorce, mm. which was very much sort of a heavily sexualized video. And I mean, you can look at the, um, we'll include things in the show notes, as compared to something like Fantasy, which mm. was much more wholesome and much more sort of traditional. Even things like Loverboy, which she did for this. Mm. But then how she's introduced with this, with in Hot Pants and stuff like that as mm. well, which is more consciously sexualized as compared to some of her earlier stuff as well. And like you have the back and forth on this, like the whole thing with the Total Request Live. Um, yeah, I don't know. If I have to remember, it. actually. I have to try and put myself back in the early noughties and think, like, as a, um, as like, as a terrible teenage boy, like, would I, would I, what position to would, I, would, I, would, I, would I have been able to kind of like um, perv on on, <laughs> right. on this movie? Because now, kind mm. of like with our with our kind of late. Uh, all, we're almost in the twenties now. Yeah. Um, like it's difficult to think of this movie as as uh, as as sexy. Yeah. Or or like horrified. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen Mariah Carey's episode of Cribs? I have not. Infamous episode of Cribs. Do you know about her? I've episode heard of Cribs, about though? this because okay. it's I kind think. of infamous. Yeah, it came out the year after this film because I looked oh. it up, and she is presenting herself in a very sexy way, like. It, it was, I think, the most viewed episode of Cribs ever. It's an hour-long special of Cribs. Wow. Like, wow. So, yeah. They got a bit carried away there. Yeah. Um, ah. But sorry. yeah, I mean, it comes I'm out yeah, in 2002, which was kind of, I guess, one of my peak times of watching trashy MTV reality shows. Oh, yeah. Like Cribs. And Pimp Next, My Ride. Pimp, Pimp My Ride. Ride. Very important. Um, but Cribs, the most viewed episode of Cribs, I think, ever is Mariah Carey's episode. It's an hour long. She's going through her very swanky New York apartment and there is an effort to present herself as very sexy. She's like, I'm going to take you into my lingerie closet, which is, you know, three times the size of this room. And she's like, when I'm at home, you know, I don't really wear clothes. I just wear my lingerie. And there's a famous scene of her going into her bath and like taking a bath. And afterwards she's like said, oh, I wasn't really taking a bath. I was wearing a bodysuit under that towel. Like she gets in the tub, but she's like got a towel wrapped around her. She's like, I love, I love to just come in here and sit in the bath and relax. Um... But yeah, she's kind of since been like, oh no, I wasn't, I wasn't really taking a bath. <laughs> but like, there's so much in it. And there was sort of a follow-up episode. I think um, I've seen it. Yeah, where people are like reacting to Mariah Carey's cribs and Sharon Osbourne, who again would have been, you know, one of the big figures of trashy reality TV shows on MTV because she was on the Osbournes. Osbourne, yeah. uh, talking about like, oh, she's like, she's quite porny, isn't she? Like everything she does, like she opens the door and she's got this really low cut dress on. And she changes her outfit like six times over the course of the episode into these like very skimpy, like short dresses or very low cut dresses. And it does feel like maybe this movie is the first step into her being like moving into kind of a more sexualized, having a more sexualized public image as opposed to being kind of quite wholesome and girlish in the 90s. And it's, it's again, it's, it's one of those things that is like the like the breakdown and like the way the media sort of treats the breakdown that feels almost like indicative of a larger cultural thing where it's like, mm. as soon as you reach the point where a woman is like 30, um, mm. like 30 is the cutoff. It's mm. like, you you have to be sexy or get out. Or you have to be sexy, then have a breakdown and then get out. It's, it's funny as well, the, the kind of people who do the kind of, um, I guess, uh, image for 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 these uh, pop stars or kind of manage that mm. when they decide like oh I think it's getting a bit stale I think we need to kind of you know do something a bit sexy yeah sex it's like, it up mm. what do you mean by sexy you know like 
Skanks. That seems to be like immediately where it, where it, where it, where there's it no goes. there's no like grading curve. It's yeah, just like yeah yeah yeah. It's just like t- take um, all of those clothes. Just take them right off. And, and uh, here's a set of hot pants or a bikini yeah. or whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah. There, there's there. It's not like it's not actually kind of. Um, yeah, it's, it's not actually sexy. It's the the product, like the idea of what sexy is in the most juvenile manner possible. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's it's it's. Well, again, it's, it's, it's kind of the, with or... with the least amount of kind of thinking. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. And, and with the least amount of personality. Again, it's it's this weird sense of having like a manufactured life. It's where you you have this manufactured virginal image, and then that becomes untenable at a point, and then you just accelerate dramatically into and again i'm not a big fan of the term holification mm. but into this like heavily sexualized era yeah, well it's difficult then, to talk about these things with without, good terms yeah. like i'm not even mad about skank because of the the way kind of um yeah i suppose the, 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 um, these things that we have to be maybe uh, c- uh, careful about yeah yeah but yeah so no and it's kind of interesting how that exists in its weird way mm. because and the film sort of pushes back and forth where he like his defense of her from the French director is like a real you're on Dice's side of the argument kind of thing. Because you have like the shot of her covering herself up as she's being groped by like these, uh, you know, sort of like mini Hulk sort of figures. Yeah, but um, rather than have her assert herself yes. and be like, hey, I'm the star here and I say you're not going to do that. They have him kind of rushing, but come on, we're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so you're kind and, of forced to be on his side and he's Yeah, and, and she's like, good. I don't want to get a reputation for being unmanageable. And you're like, <laughs> well, um, yeah, I can, you kind of get a sense of how difficult it must be to be Mariah Carey, where mm. it's like, my options are either A, go along with all this crap mm. or B, be seen as opinionated and unmanageable. Mm. Yeah, it's, it, but, but the... The, the thing that makes the movie uh, very bad, aside from kind of uh, feeling weird about kind of how you're supposed to feel about all of this, mm. it's also how kind of barefaced and an attempt um, of, 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 of giving kind of uh, Mariah's uh, side of things it is. And how, like, how, how obvious that comes across and how poor a job it does of it, I guess. Because mm. it doesn't make you... It feels like a movie that's that's meant to make you kind of sympathize um, uh, uh, with with her, but because it's so blatantly transparently trying to do that, it makes it just seem so vain. Yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, I mean, like the tragic backstory involving the mother is notably the one aspect of the film that's entirely invented. Like, I mean, you can say whatever about the relation about Dice being inspired by her backstory, mm. the mixtape, the dance club, the backup dancer, all of that came from her backstory. But in real life, her mother was Irish-American and her father was... Uh, but yeah, um, and apparently he left the family at a young age, but her mother sort of raised her. Uh, Which is interesting, right? Because Crossroads comes out the following year and there's also an estrangement between the mother and daughter and the daughter trying to make it as a... As a singer. As a singer, yeah. Or having this aspiration to be a singer, which is obviously Britney Spears' vehicle. Also on the bottom 100. (laughs) And not that much much higher or lower, depending on how you look. It's 29, I think, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, it's it's, it's close to it in the countdown. It is difficult to think of, like, what... They're nowhere near just higher or lower. Yeah, how do you rank these things? Yeah, does it count as higher (laughs) or lower? But I think it's interesting. Like a lot of people did compare uh, Crossroads and Glitter, and people were saying, "Oh, well, Crossroads is a slightly superior movie. It's still not very good, but slightly better than Glitter." I thought Crossroads was good. It's it's very watchable. Yeah, Yeah, and the 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 
I suppose that like the 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 music of 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 Crossroads was um was perhaps kind of like more bearable because it felt a little less um uh, 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 produced. I've, I've 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 always had a kind of a a, a problem with um obviously Mariah Carey has um uh, plenty of bangers and classics mm-hmm. like yeah. one one of the few kind of um uh, Christmas songs of our um, lifetime, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that 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 have become um, you know as classic as, exactly. as sort of a Dean Martin or a Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby. That's really, yeah. yeah. But I I think to my taste, it the it it it's it's always seemed a bit kind of much. Well, the the kind of Mariah Carey, um, and then and then it 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 became very popular with shows like kind of Pop Idol. This kind of sort of style of singing, overproduced of oh, that where uh, where it's yeah, where it's 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 kind of there's so much that they can do with their voice, mm-hmm. and this song is 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 it's almost drowning it out. Yeah, it's like oh no, we guess yeah. we get that you can sing like every song but doesn't can you produce? doesn't. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, every song doesn't going. need to be like a kind of a. Um, it's like they're going through like the entire range to prove like once again that they yeah. can that they can sing very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an audition tape for for pop idol. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, it's worth noting that like Dice's hero is Quincy Jones, mm-hmm. not Quincy Jones the musician. He hates to add Quincy Jones the record producer. <laughs> um, but that, that's that. Yeah, he says that that kind of informs um, his his kind of uh, dedication to to like kind of. Um, uh, performance and being being be, because Quincy Jones was um, is somebody who can play. Yeah, but I mean there is there is this weird influence in there. Uh, sorry, the emphasis in there about the producer aspect of it that's absent even in say like Jackson Maine to a certain extent. He's I don't know if you call him a producer, but he's very much he's pushing um, you know the character in um, Ali in um, in A Star Is Born. But like here, there's very much a strong emphasis on Dice as a producer. Yeah. This is a a, a pop like a musical a pop music like movie kind of that's looking at the industry and it's like well our primary focus should probably be the producer like it's the guy in suits the guy who's standing in the booth going turn that up turn that down add some mix in there do you think there's a lot going on there ah it'll all work out they're complaining that it all sounds the same they don't know anything it is weird that it's half a movie about this aspiring singer and her estranged mother and half a movie about these two music producers who have this rivalry related to her and how good or not they are at their jobs. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both bad. They're both they really are actually bad. both quite bad. As producers. Yeah. From what we see, uh, they're not particularly successful i mean even that uh even that magazine calls him the dj of the year right as opposed to yes, producer too. of the year it's like <laughs> dj of the year okay complete with shirtless pick and i mean the was it the the bit where they're at the club and oh, she's, she's she's trying to sign with i think it's a country and music uh sort of record label and dice is sitting there and again i don't think i can do like proper credit to this in audio medium but he's got he's indoors he's got blue tinted sunglasses on he's got a black turtleneck uh, he's got gold chains on over it and he's sitting a little sort of, I think it's a martini glass he has in his hand. And he does like that handshake that's like a limp hand, you know, that limp wrist one where you sort of you offer your hand with the palm down. Um, it's really, really creepy. It's really, really creepy. There's uh, someone on the IMDb trivia 
page for this movie. Uh, someone's had a little bit of fun. I don't know who is able to edit IMDb trivia. Anyone. Is it anybody? Anybody can, yes. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can basically submit an end and it'll be approved or rejected. No one knows how Max Beasley, who plays Julian Dice, got in and out of his leather pants in the film. Many speculate that he never took them off and wears other <laughs> jeans over the famous leather pants. <laughs> That is there. That is on the IMDb That's trivia. Part page. of official record now. Um, it is I absolutely it's like for a fight. He has like a cut <laughs> to, to, to get into, and 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 then he has to kind of bulk up to kind of fill them out again. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, he wears leather pants constantly in this film. He's always wearing those leather pants and the dice neck. I'm pretty the sure fashion is just insane. That like in the scene where they're in bed together, if you lifted up the sheet, he'd still be <laughs> wearing pants. those leather pants. <laughs> Um, this is Max Beasley's cribs. Just <laughs> <laughs> opens the door with like no shirt on and just and leather pants. And leather pants is like, like this is where oh, I keep all my shirts, and it's like where yeah. do you keep your pants? But, <laughs> on me. Noticeably, there is no costume changes because it's only an hour long. Um, it is worth noting. I actually kind of love the interviews that they do with people trying to defend this. The people who worked on this, mm. where Max Beasley was asked about his experience of working on glitter. And he's like, that was a disaster. But you know, when we made it, it was okay. There was some heavy-duty drama. Really heavy drama. And Mariah Carey showed her acting boots. They just cut all that out, and I nearly cried when I saw it. He half-heartedly attempts to rise to the film's defense. It was released on September 12th, the day after the atrocities, so it was dead, before giving up, and after a pause, conceding that it is a bad film. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, but it could have been. Like, like I do blame the... the, the yeah, oh, absolutely. And the, 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 the... Like, all of the sort of... Um, I mean, it's a movie that takes itself um, uh, quite seriously, but it, mm-hmm. it could have... It could... Per, it probably just wanted to be earnest and um, maybe a little boring, but mm-hmm. not to be something that people would uh, laugh at. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of that in there. And it's, it's probably, it's maybe better that we can laugh at it. <laughs> than it just being suffocatingly earnest. And right. Stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's a very, very strange film. Oh, do you want to discuss the weird parallels and synchronicities that exist between it and the 2018 version specifically of A Star Is Born? Because obviously, obviously the, the template of this is mm. A Star Is Born. It's a mm. woman who is discovered by a veteran perhaps even embittered sort of celebrity who decides to elevate her and then finds his own insecurities taking root and he's unable to deal with that and he makes a number of bad decisions while she keeps constantly dragging him up against his best efforts. So that's all typically like, you know, what price is Hollywood? A star is born, that sort of thing as well. But there's a very weird sense and part of me wonders if like, and I know he didn't because I've, I've read interviews with Bradley Cooper. But part of me wonders if on some level maybe Bradley Cooper sat down and Glitter got mixed into like the research pile. And he's like, actually, this is a half decent idea we've got so here. What would I do? Yeah. Well, I haven't seen Glitter. But I would, I, w- I, w- I, would, I, would, I would definitely have a problem with how slutty she's being. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does it mean? Why you got to come around me with an ass like that? Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's no... Uh, it's no, you it's, look like Titsy McPorn star, but it's... <laughs> yeah, there was a line in that movie. That's right, yeah. Um, and I mean, there's also the bit in the in the limo as well, where we're going full tit abusive boyfriend, full tilt abusive boyfriend, uh, where he's like, um, what's it? Do you think he'd like to write a song with you if you were, you know, properly dressed? Look at you. You got everything hanging out. And then he's like, I'm going to be racist for some reason as well. 
Which yeah. really comes out of nowhere <laughs> when he just starts basically racially attacking her best friends in front of her and then she still stays in the car with him. There's also the sense, like, similar to A Star is Born where every time something is going like pretty well for Billy, he does something that messes up. Like, he gets arrested yeah. before she's gonna, about to go on the TV show and yeah. then she has to go and bail him out. Late Night Live. <laughs> Late Night Live. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what that could possibly be like. We're sad that we're missing that shot of Dice standing off screen while, while Terrence Howard shows up and says, if you need me, you know where to find me. Mm-hmm. Have they have they position, have they they put it as the worst year of, of Saturday Night Live? What, what was the year when kind of, um, like Eddie Murphy, obviously, would... would um, oh, when Lauren Michaels had left for a little right. while, wasn't it? Yeah, that could have been around about then. Would that have been once for 2001? Would it have been? No, no. No, in the 80s as well. Oh, 83, okay. Oh, yeah, when you had like all the big talent leaving, right? So that was yeah. the... Yeah. The 80s. So give me a second. We're going to go to the fact machine and check. That. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Murphy uh, SNL. Um, well, there's probably going to be a lot of Eddie Murphy SNL mm-hmm. every time he's hosted or being a guest. Yeah. Uh, according to the fact machine, it's the 1980 through 1981. So she would have just narrowly oh, okay. missed that. Oh, okay. Uh, the she's supposed to be the big musical guest. Mm-hmm. I also love yeah. that, like the thing that apparently sets um, sets dice off. Mm-hmm is the bit where he's at the party with her and he's introduced to people and she's like, this record, this movie producer's like, hey, Billy, I love your work. And he's like, hey, I'd love to score some movies. Some movies. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it, Deuce. And you can tell Deuce, that he's like, yeah, and he's like, funny. I wear this necklace <laughs> to avoid situations like this. Yeah, um, that's very funny. I mean, what did we make of that closing like number that's very A Star Is Born? Mm-hmm. The bit where your boyfriend is mm-hmm. dead. Imagine he wrote a bit of music for you. Yeah. Because they're, 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 they were both writing. The <laughs> same, same song. song. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. Halfway what? across the universe. Because <laughs> they're connected. It's like that. This is magic. Yeah. Um, and again, you have that weird thing where he's dictating her narrative even after death. Where, and now, to be fair, this song isn't quite as creepy as I Will Never Love Anybody the Way I Loved You, mm. written by my dead lover for me to perform in mm. honor of him. Uh, but it's it's just sort of lifeless. It's just sort of dead, that closing montage. But it's very similar in that sort of style. It reminds me a lot of that. It's a I Will Always Love You, because it yes. also reminds me very much of the end of The Bodyguard, right? <laughs> yes. Which I, I guess A Star Is Born is probably paying homage to as well. That probably seems more likely than Glitter. But I... yeah, the, the tone of the song, I think the song is called Never Too Far. Yeah. Is, like, the message is basically I Will Always Love You, my yeah. dead Possess a producer boyfriend. Mostly because you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to deal with you on a day-to-day basis. I can just look at the pictures. So as like A Star is Born as I expected this to be, I was still surprised that he got murdered in the film. (laughs) That he literally gets murdered. That shocked me. (laughs) To be fair, I do love that shot where he turns around and starts smiling and walks triumphantly towards... I mean, how is Timothy going to get his money back now? This is just a bad investment. Bad business decision. Yeah, bad. He'd insured kind of against him. (laughs) He's the beneficiary (laughs) on Dice's life insurance policy. I I love the idea that on the news they report they have no suspects at present. Mm. um, And the cops are like, yeah, we saw somebody running away from the scene, but he wasn't wearing a necklace with his own name on him. So we couldn't identify him whatsoever. Yeah. There's one of the casings from the bullet <laughs> yeah. kind of jumped out of his gun and into his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> and it did match that <laughs> one that we found in, in Dice's. In Dice's body. Yeah. 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 Um, 
I do love the record producers who are like, I hope Billy's not involved in this. Um, <laughs> then they turn around and there she is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You're still okay to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Can you still perform at <laughs> Madison Square Garden tonight? You're on in five. <laughs> Your boyfriend is dead. Yeah. They, they, her, Use uh, it. <laughs> her entourage is, uh, is really uh, terrible. I don't know where they, uh, they found <laughs> those um, when you say the entourage you mean the PR people or like the yeah, friends yeah, or yeah. Like, the Catherine well, O'Hara like, Stanton <laughs> yeah. yeah they've they've, they've they're, like presumably like lots of bad movies have have good people in them that you see mm-hmm. oh they were in this why were they in this because you know you get paid and stuff <laughs> yeah like like but, but these these people they yeah there's 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 some very bad acting. In there's the some movie. real no-name. It's a real yeah. no-name cast, right? Like, apart from Mariah. Yeah. There's a reason, like, why we kind of mm. don't really see these people. <laughs> <laughs> Max Beasley will have you know. Thank you very well, much. He, 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 he went on to be a character in Harry Potter. <laughs> Is Max Beasley? No, I think Ron Weasley. I think it's oh, what, 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 what Andrew's getting up there. I didn't immediately recognize Max Beasley. Because why would I? And what's he from? What do you know him from? Uh, so I looked it up afterwards. He was in a BBC show for a few years called Hotel Babylon, which seems oh, to be his biggest oh, yeah. project. Of, yeah. But uh, when I f- first saw him, I was like, you know who he looks a little like? Donald Gleeson. And then as the movie went on, I was like, I was being very harsh on poor Donald Gleeson. <laughs> <laughs> I felt guilty for having had the thought of like, oh, he looks a bit like Donald Gleeson. <laughs> I like the idea that, yeah, he's like Donald Gleeson from like the little stranger, but the, creepier but somehow. Like, so unlikable in the <laughs> film that I was like, oh, I actually feel bad that he looks a little bit like this person I do like. Yeah. And like when he kind of um, has this kind of normal sort of um, shirtless body. Like if it were to be made now, yeah. they'd have to stop the entire production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dehydrate him, drain yeah, him yeah. down, and like yeah. for like four months until he has something <laughs> like that they can put on. on film. Was it Hugh Jackman who does press ups until the moment they yell "shoot"? Basically, apparently for those shirtless scenes. Yeah, I think <laughs> to have a pump on. Yeah, <laughs> just behind him, it's like just a little vacuum thing there. Um, the guys. Um, uh, from um, Game of Thrones when they had like I think it was maybe one of the first episodes oh yeah I remember hearing that the, the, it's the siblings sh- the Stark shirtless. siblings yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Madden Richard Madden and yeah, King Harrington yeah. Theon and... uh, Greyjoy yeah. they were, they were, oh, Elfie Allen I think yeah, yeah they, they all spent the entire day <laughs> working out <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean this is what they do about Star Trek you remember um, George Takei has a famous shirtless scene where he's charging around with oh, a yes. fencing sword mm-hmm. where he apparently found out two days beforehand that he'd be doing the scene shirtless Apparently, spent the next forty-eight hours doing sit-ups. Oh my um, god! But it feels like Max Beasley's kind of like, <laughs> like I'm not shaming him. Uh, no. uh, his 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 body. I'm shaming his <laughs> like the 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 apparent kind of lack of a, a, attention from from him towards this movie. Mm. I think if he thought that it was worth <laughs> getting in shape, he would have. Maybe that's it. Yeah. He was like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. No one's going it. to see this. Yeah. Um, mm. Some glorious uh, dialogue here, including Silk, I didn't know you could blow like that um, early on. Oh, yes. Very effectively establishing Dice as, well, not a not a particularly nice person. Can I also flag, like, Padma, Padma Lakshmi, who yes. plays Silk? 
is like a TV chef now. She is Top Chef. Yeah, she's on Top Chef in the States. Her, she's not an actress anymore, as far as I can tell. She appeared in an episode of Enterprise around this time as well, actually, which is famously maligned as well. And was married to Salman Rushdie. And was married to Salman Rushdie. That's Uh, right. Apparently, not a very healthy relationship either, by all accounts. It's a strange one though, because they're they're in the movie. It's um, she's very good looking and and terrible at singing. So we, we should make her a, uh, a pop star. Mm. But it's like, you could find somebody who's, who's very good at singing and also, um, like, gorgeous. Oh, but the idea there's is plenty that she's of those. not good, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But also, I found that kind of funny, actually, when they show her singing and she's terrible. And they're like, turn Silk Way down. <laughs> turn <laughs> Billy right up. <laughs> Before they realize... You just gotta get it for the backup check. <laughs> Before they realized how good I forgot Billy. the name Billy, Billy. Yeah. how how good Billy was was the original idea to release it, it silks. with silks uh, original <laughs> vocals. I really again. I think I think Timothy was not a good record producer. I feel like committing murder is like that was like a little sort of like a, just a little bit more. It makes it makes the story better well. because it's in a world where music is terrible. <laughs> I guess in the 80s you didn't need to be particularly you didn't have particularly strong vocals to have a successful pop record right you just need the synth yeah they sort of had to be turn the production way up you're waiting for like the, the executives to show up during that sequence where they're listening to us it. like the production's crazy it's like no you know what this needs more production <laughs> turn it all the way up <laughs> turn it all the way up turn her caterwauling down <laughs> <laughs> But is there anything else we haven't talked about already? Anything that we want to talk about in, with, in relation to Glitter? No, I guess just like what have we learned from watching <laughs> Glitter? We've learned that it's bad. Not as bad as to deserve a spot on the bottom 100. Like, I think we're all on the same page there, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. But it's also not very good. Like, it's not particularly well made. If it's true that it was originally two and a half hours long, there's probably a good film in the edit, but not in the edit that we got. I'm not yeah. sure there's a good film. There's a competent <laughs> film, perhaps. Like, like a three star, yeah. Like a yeah. Like, it it feels it feel it feels like like a, a, a lot of people are, are very kind of fond of Mariah Carey, and I and I and I and I think she's gained a lot of kind of credibility since. Yeah. But this movie feels quite kind of like quite a vanity project. Yeah. So there were times watching it where I was thinking. This deserves to be better. Like I, I feel like she was let down, but also kind of got almost uh, the the it's it's like a a a, um, a cautionary tale about ego, of, about like yeah, yeah. making yeah. a vanity project, making yeah. a movie to kind yeah. of set the record straight on on like why How people should like you. Are, you. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, Rick James wrote one of the songs in the movie, oh. All My Life, which is the one that Silk is on originally. Ah, okay. And that we see them performing in the nightclub and it's clearly Billy's vocals, but they still have Silk performing. That uh, Rick James wrote that song. Ah, so yeah, that. yeah, I'd like to read her. I like some of the songs in this movie. I like that song. Loverboy's not bad. Uh, she does the Robert Palmer cover, Didn't Mean to Turn You yeah. On. It's very good. There's there's some bops well, in this. Like, the music's yeah. not bad. I mean, she, she, she is a fantastic singer. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 um, I don't know how I'd feel about the kind of... Um, like, the, 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 the problem with how how good she is at singing is that it, 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 it's always, it, it always seems very kind of showy, you know? Mm. Um, and I think with the, 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 the music is never... Yeah, the, 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 it's it doesn't always, save it from its bumbling no. tedium. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever we said earlier. <laughs> TV guy. Yeah. Not quite. Yeah. Not quite. 
There's your full quote. Um, but no, it's worth noting as well that Carrie herself has begun the process of rehabilitation. She performed Lover Boy for the first time live in her 2016 fantasy tour, I believe, as well. Or Sweet Fantasy Tour, for example. Mm. Um, apparently, for years, uh, her entourage around uh, her couldn't actually say the word glitter uh, for fear of being punished or fired. But or what if like... they needed some glitter <laughs> yeah. for the show? Well, it's very difficult to get rid of glitter. It <laughs> just I mean, she spends the entire movie with everywhere. like little stripes and the sort of like little... It's weird, right? It is a bit it's strange. It's very distracting. It does imply that, like, maybe, you know, maybe Dice hasn't gotten out of those leather pants for the entire film, but maybe Billy hasn't taken a shower or something? <laughs> like, from that one shot, from that one shoot? I think she's got people who will reapply <laughs> those. Just <laughs> randomly <laughs> sort of sprinkle, yeah. Yeah, painting it on. She fell into bed after the shoot, and now every time she goes to bed, she wakes up covered in glitter. Yeah. Um, but I mean, beyond that, apparently, yeah, they had to call it the G word. <laughs> That's how her staff would refer to it when they wanted to talk about the film or talk about the album. They had to call it the G word. Oh, okay. um, but apparently she's, she's getting better about it. She's, uh, she's reached the stage where like in the early 2000s, she was said that she wishes that she'd never done it. Hmm. Now she's reached the stage where she's like, well, I'm glad I did it. It's not very good, but uh, I'm glad that people enjoy it, which seems healthier. Seems slightly untrue. <laughs> Some people seem to enjoy it, though. If, if your oh, no, screening was anything, screening to, go was anything by, to go by, yeah. maybe there are people who enjoy it. Well, yeah. It's it, not very good. Well, I mean, to, to, to it, quote Padma, it's, uh, you know, was it, God, I cannot get away from this film. <laughs> oh, no. So to rate it as a film, I think it's like a five. I don't think it's as bad as people say, you know, but I don't think it was Citizen Kane. Ooh. I mean, the... I, I also have Terence Howard's verdict here if we want to hear Terence Howard's verdict. Do well, we? I think, do That's we no platform, Terence Howard. Okay. I think people who, people who really like this movie mm. know in their heart of hearts that it's bad. Mm. And that it's a little, like part of the reason why they like it. They, they, mm. this, this, is, um, this is a movie that you, um, that you like out of uh, uh, Camp Factor and kind of irony and yeah. kind of you know kitsch mm. yeah. so um um and it's not it's not it, it's not it's not a very kind of artful accomplishment no. of, of 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 those things like like we like, cut at the like, end of this podcast to a white flash and a glitter. soundtrack yeah, yeah. I, I like like maybe there are people who 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 would have been able to do this, but it 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 felt like the 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 really kind of saccharine or kind of you know kind of tacky um, parts of this movie re- really kind of worked against its attempts to be very um, serious mm. and and earnest. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. I mean, like there's the moment. And this is something that I feel kind of bad about as a person, but the moment where they're going from door to door, so where, where like after the house is burnt down, she goes to visit her father. The mother takes her to see the father. Yes, yeah. And it's like, I told you never to come around here. And he hands over the money. And I'm wondering, I'm waiting for the moment at the end of that where she's like, okay, on to the next house. Oh, we never mentioned inappropriate smoke. <laughs> yeah, which burns the house down. Very yeah. 250 trope. Um, yeah, and I, 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 that entire prologue—that entire prologue—is surreal and strange. Very in, strange. In the in the when 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 it's like a a long sh- shot and Mariah Carey is thinking, "Is that my mom?" When it's the, oh, the, the, the homeless, yeah, I I I thought they had. Uh, um, I was confused as well because I thought it was somebody else too. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Is that?" Um, there there was from a distance there was a similarity. To um, forget the name of the actress, but she 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 played one of the homeless women in um, 
in uh, RoboCop 3 and there's the RoboCop okay, I was thinking about RoboCop had to really <laughs> really <laughs> reach <laughs> for that one does this take place <laughs> in the same universe yeah. as RoboCop 3 because yeah. yeah. I think really they recast um, Homeless Woman from that's from why RoboCop it's at 1983 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the way I think, I think RoboCop 3 may be off the bottom uh, 100 oh no <laughs> I know we may not get to cover it alas scores of shame but I think that about wraps it up unless there's anything else we want to talk about anything that we haven't discussed already from the notes or anybody has any octane Oh, the inappropriate smoking was what the the house burning down. The house burning down, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, which gets the weird white flash of hope, which yes. is very surreal and a very auditorial choice. I but thought it was just a white out. I thought it was just a white out to to indicate flame or burning. Yeah, because that's the <laughs> point. I think the first time watching the movie where I didn't fall asleep at the start. Because it was impossible. To, <laughs> <laughs> you were just being strobed <laughs> so much. Yeah. It's a really strange choice because as well it goes from like the cigarette burning to the house being burnt down to the firemen walking around and it's like well we're covering a lot of ground very quickly here. It feels like maybe the house burning down wasn't the most essential plot element you could have included there. You know it feels like this is you're swatting a fly with a bazooka to get where you, what you need at this movie right now. Well that, that, yeah that was that was that's the, to get that was the final the straw. Yeah, yeah that's that's that did yeah. it. Yeah. Also um my sister pointed this out. So her name is Billy and her mother's name is Lillian. So my sister was like is Billy yeah. short for Billion? Which made me laugh so much. <laughs> She just named her after but she changed the first letter. So it's like, I'm Lillian, and this is my daughter, Billion. If I had a son, we'd call him Killian. Um, <laughs> just keep it going. It's very kind of consistent as well with mm. this sort of um, uh, the uh, morality of the movie. Because she, she's, uh, she's a drinker. Because like, it, it doesn't feel like um, uh, Billy kind of, you know, Billy, Billy, Billy doesn't approve of kind of like sex or drinking or, or yeah or she's drink. quite clean living yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and it's it seems very kind of like pointed towards a kind of like a, 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 a children i guess yeah in, well, i imagine, in, I imagine in, yeah that probably makes a certain amount of sense actually i mean it was very because, because maybe she would feel like it would be irresponsible for her to present an image of yeah or, or, or like maybe she wanted to kind of um or I don't know whether 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 that was it. I, I, um, I, given 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 that she generally doesn't want to talk about this movie, well, <laughs> I wonder if she'd be able to say now what she thinks. What she thought of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think that about wraps it up. But we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something that they think listeners might enjoy. Um, so if you have something you've been listening to, something you've been watching, something that grabs your attention, or something maybe even like what we've been discussing, but but good or better that you mm-hmm. sort of point listeners towards, and then also where we can find where the can find you online if they want a bit more sort of Stacey Grabbing in their lives yeah okay um I'm really obsessed with the show on Netflix at the moment called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson have you watched it um Andrew's watched it and I watched a couple episodes with Andrew yeah it's so good I've really really really, yeah yeah Mm. Um, and lots of very strange people popping up for like small one bit sort of appearances which is great yeah you have like Vanessa Bayer is in a sketch yeah. it's very funny Andy Samberg pops up at the end yeah. and the and guy from Patterson. Burning as well Stephen Young Stephen yeah. Young yeah. In, uh... in, 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 Walking Dead in the extended sequence in the first Young's episode yeah. so funny yeah, yeah but it's, it's a sketch show each episode is about 15 minutes long uh, it's about it's... the length of this movie <laughs> the, 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 the whole thing, thing. Yeah. yeah. You could watch the whole of I Think You Should Leave in less time than you could watch Glitter, so I'd recommend doing that <laughs> instead of watching Glitter, and you'll probably have a better time. Um, 
Yeah. And I'm online. I'm on Twitter at Silver St. Groud. And I occasionally write film reviews for entertainment.ie. Sign me on there as well. Cool. Andrew. Um, I am drawing a complete blank. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, um, Watch uh, a Star is Born 2018. Yeah, no, I, I would say well, do watch a Star is Born because I think I was a bit hard on it. <laughs> um, it is, After seeing Glitter, you're like, I was <laughs> too harsh. In hindsight. Yeah. It's like um, the second time I saw uh, Batman v Superman. It was straight after uh, uh, watching, watching Man, Man of Steel. Steel. And oh it's like, God. actually, Batman. Man versus <laughs> Superman isn't so bad. Yeah, Man you have a point of comparison. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. Stockholm syndrome. It's a very powerful thing. <laughs> Go back and, um, and reassess. And, yeah, yeah. Watch, um, watch this. It's born. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, and you are available online at a q u i n n i u q a i u q a. Yeah. Yeah, it's it 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 has like uh, some it's amount of ends in yeah. it, yeah. and yeah. yeah. Uh, perfect. Um, I would recommend actually connected to this one. It is another movie that is a story of the rise and fall of a pop celebrity. It also features Mariah Carey, and I don't want to call it her best role, but one of the best uses of Mariah Carey I've ever seen. And it's somewhat underrated, although I, I imagine most people listening to this podcast will have seen it and loved it as well. Pop star never stopped, never stopping, Love which is star. amazing. Mm. Uh, it's great. It's very much like the the Dewey Cox walk hard story, but it's fantastic. <laughs> and its use of Mariah Carey is amazing, and particularly because what does she do? She, I for, I for, I forgot that she was in. That. She's one of the talking it's, heads. She's one of the talking heads. So the song "I'm So Humble" that opens the opens the movie. Ah. At the end of that, they have Mariah Carey saying, "That was just one of the most important songs I've ever heard," and I felt like I could really relate to it mm-hmm. because I'm so humble, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of those great like sense of Mariah Carey almost being sort of in on the joke to a certain extent. She's yeah. funny though. Yeah. Like you see, you know, you hear about her kind of wild behavior or, you know. It, even since she's kind of settled herself down a bit and gotten herself sorted out a little bit, she still will occasionally say or do something kind of stupid, but she does seem to have a sense of humor. She does seem yeah. kind of funny and Atlanta. something like that is very self-aware. Yeah. And she calls all her fans Lamely. Lamely, yeah. Which I've noticed as well, which is uh, an, an interesting quirk that I We never about. talked about her fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe actually Stacey did offer a spoken word dramatic reading um, to offer do, a sense of context. If you want a bonus want, Do we want the backlash? <laughs> Do we want to start a feud with Jaylen? <laughs> like I feel like we've we've we've, we've ticked off anime fans, we've ticked off Kurosawa fans, I mean, we've I ticked just... off Tarkovsky fans. I think yeah, Mariah Carey fans may be a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are angry. I came across some very interesting YouTube comments while uh, while listening to songs from this movie. Is um, what I'll say. Uh, but yeah, so thank you very much. Uh, thanks for joining us, Stacey. Thank you. Uh, for we'll, me. We'll thank always you so much. Thank you. So with that in mind, I will thank our Mariah Carey expert, oh. uh, Stacey. Thank you for your time. <laughs> I will see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.